What were Jesus's last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast is all about helping you respond yes to the final and greatest invitation of Jesus, the adventure you were made for. Together, let's explore what the worlds of business, education, organizational leadership, popes, saints, scripture, and the church herself say about fulfilling the Great Commission. So we have lined up for you today a recipe for organizational health. This is all about culture and how as a ministry team, whether this is at a parish, whether you run a some missionary organization, a nonprofit, a charity, culture is huge. Strong culture will outperform other organizations that are not or that do not have a strong culture. This will give you a competitive advantage. If you were in the secular world or the private world, this would give you a competitive advantage over other companies that you cannot make up for in other ways. So in the private world, they know this affects their bottom line. So if we think, okay, what's our bottom line? Our bottom line is the number of people who fall in love with God. So this is a competitive advantage we cannot afford not to have. Yeah, we've all heard the saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast. It's very much true. And, you know, I'm thinking about uh, if we got any college football fans listening, I'm a big college football fan. And I was watching this series on Netflix that follows uh, junior college football programs. But I forget something the coach said. He said, you can drop any play you want, but if those kids will run through a wall for you, they're going to get the yardage they need on that play. So I think we see it in sports as well, that if you've got a winning culture, a team that believes they can win, then they're going to win. So um, that's what we're talking about today. How do we instill that in our ministries that people have a focus and that our organization is healthy so that we eat and breathe and uh, live by that culture every day? Amen. Yeah. So I'm going to hold up a book here, try to get it in camera. So this is Reframing Organizations by Lee Bowman and Terrence Deal. I read that when I was in my doctoral program for education and leadership and fell in love with it. It's probably the the one of the two best books I read in the whole program. And they're uh, they're approach in that book is to say there's four ways that you can approach and analyze any organization a lot more than that but those are the frames that they propose a political frame a human resources frame a structural frame and a cultural frame and i ate the cultural frame up i absolutely loved it and i don't want to talk about the like the book anymore i just want to talk about culture and how awesome it is and how we should make it a part of what we do so we've got a whole bunch of things that we're going to list here the first one is oh by the way that book is great i highly recommend it it will help you in leading a team and in, in kind of building any organization that you want so i can't recommend it enough reframing organizations with bowman and deal uh, but first up is symbols and uh, cultures that strong workplace cultures or strong team cultures incorporate symbols. And these are things that reveal and reinforce meaning and belief. Now, I know this is native to Catholics. We get this. We No one needs to tell us how important symbols is. We've got a shamrock on Justin's shirt. The I Trinity, have. right? St. Patrick gave us the symbol of the Trinity and the shamrock, and that's been used by catechists for centuries to explain the mystery of the Trinity. So Absolutely. yes, I agree, Dan. Symbols are native to Catholic world. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, we would not know what, we wouldn't even know what to believe if we didn't have symbols within our faith. I mean, our, our churches, yeah. the, I think the more we appreciate churches and buildings, the more symbols they have in them, the more rich symbolism there is. Scripture is full of it. And uh, 
the successful kind of secular private workplaces harness this in order to remind people, especially in difficult times, what are we here for? What's the deep meaning? What's the belief that binds us all together? And so uh, if you are, if you're finding that people, if there's mission drift or mission creep and people aren't really sure or they, they forget or they just kind of get a little ho-hum and bored, it could be that the the meaning and the depth of your mission is not clear to them. And so there are plenty of ways. One simple thing, and I saw this actually at one of the, the places you worked, Justin, was uh, displays around the building, around the workplace that said, here's who we are. Here's what we, we, we plan to do. And there would be images that go along with that, that spoke to people. They would, they would be symbolic. And it just said, this is the type of people we want to be. This is what we strive to. And even though I didn't work in the same organizational unit as you did, I was, I wanted that. I saw that and I thought, that's cool. I want to work in a place like that. No, I think you're referring to an elevator of a certain church in Orlando, but yes, you'll see. And I think the thing about the placement of that is it's not just about the people who work there. It's for the people visiting that they see, oh, wow, these, and it, but it holds you accountable too as an organization. If you're putting it out there, you better be living it every day. So that's the beauty of it. You know, when I was, um, two thoughts come to mind from the business world. One is logos. Okay, logos really matter. When you're making your logo, don't just make some little thing real quick. No, 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 no. Think deeply about it. We hope that the logo of our podcast explains a lot about what we're trying to accomplish here. It's got Christ in the middle and two gentle, the, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. I know some interpretations say it might have been a husband and wife even, but we know there were just two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Well, Dan and I are trying to just be those two disciples following our Lord, discoursing together about how do we how do we do this better? We're trying to serve you, God. How do we do this better? And hopefully others engage in the conversation as well. So the importance of logos as symbols. The second thing is your core beliefs or values, stating those, like you said, those core values you saw in, in that elevator. Uh, when I was in business school, the, the big example of this was always Johnson & Johnson. They have a credo, the company J&J. They have a credo that says all the things they believe. You know, for our country, you might say that's the Constitution or the Bill of Rights. And it's important not to have this be a document saved in your laptop or in a filing cabinet. It needs to be out and visible and it needs to be discussed regularly to remind yeah. us why are we here? What are we trying to do? Right. If you're if you're not proud of them, change them so yes. that you uh, you like them and put you them on a wall. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm I'm with you one hundred percent. Um one of the values that we chose when working this was holiness. Working on this this project mm -hmm. was holiness. And it, we said, if we are not growing in holiness when we do this, we're doing it wrong. And so that has to be a, a tenet of what we do. So one of the next things that's important is, I would say, the myths and the stories. And this can include the heroes that we have for ourselves. So there's a, a really, really good story, the founder of Southwest. And that that is one of the companies that has the strongest mm -hmm. cultures. And what that leads to is a profitability that other companies can't match. Yeah. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to like confuse people, but like we can think in terms of profitability too, or in terms of bottom line, our bottom line is how many people each year fall in love with God. And we can be aware of that. We can look at that every year. What are the RCIA numbers? How many people want to be Catholic or as, as a result of what we're doing? That's an easy thing to measure. And there might be a, a lag. Um, so the founder of, of Southwest, they uh, they fought a lot to get the airline up and running. Initially, they just wanted to operate in, I believe, the state of Texas. And there was a sheriff who threatened to block the runway and not let them take off. 
And so the owner of the company said, yeah, (laughs) the the owner of the the airline said, you, you run that guy over. He probably didn't use that same language. You run that guy over and you leave tire tracks in his back. And it was this, this legendary saying of like, that's the tenacity that their founder has. And we should have the same, like, what are our favorite scripture passages? I and mean, I mean, tell you one of my right now is from Matthew 6. Consider the birds of the air, how they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet even their heavenly father provides food for them. Are you not of much more value to him than they are? And that lets me know, I, I shouldn't worry when I'm doing the, the Lord's work. I should put in the best effort, the best thought, mm-hmm. and work hard to make things successful. And then I trust, and I trust, and I trust. So the the myths that I tell that we tell ourselves, and... Uh, this, this in no way implies that we tell ourselves things that aren't true, but we hang on to those stories that are deeply important. So a, another example, um, I, I worked for a school district one time and there was a legend or a myth that went around that said the superintendent had, uh, he had been teaching years ago when he was a teacher and there was some students in the class who said, if you really loved me so much, because he was teaching religion and expressing to them about his his love for them because of god's love so the student said if you really loved me so much why don't you adopt me because the student was i think living in foster care and the teacher said deal i'll do it and i don't know if that's actually how that story worked but as a teacher working for that guy i can tell you that inspired me so much and that let me know this is who i need to be so the stories that we tell ourselves the heroes that we hold up and this is again so easy because of our culture of the saints. I mean, our parishes are all named after saints or some beautiful mystery of our faith. Absolutely. You know, I think heroes and, and almost mythical stories come naturally to Catholics. Um, you know, there's even stories of saints from long, long ago where some say, oh, you know, like St. George, you know, we don't know exactly what was true or was not true. But just that 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 legend around St. George has inspired so many. And he's still a well-regarded saint and the patron saint of England, even, and many other causes. Um, you know, I, I think in the business world, I gave a little shout out to Texas, you know, just a little bit ago, because uh, I live in Texas now, I'm a Texas resident, but I'm from Florida originally. And there's a certain company we all love in Florida where we get the best subs. Who am I talking about? Publix. Publix. And the story of George Jenkins, okay? he's His plaque is in every Publix to remind them of customer service, going that extra mile. I think of another Florida company, that has a lot of folklore around its founder. Think about Disney. the mouth band. Disney. All Disney. I mean, come on. How do you not see uh, you know, the connection of the legend of him and how it still can inspire their uh, employees today? So you know, we see it in success in the business world. But you're right, Dan. It's right there in our Catholic culture. So I think in our ministries, we should, we should always have, I really believe we should always have a patron saint for any of our ministries that represents what that ministry is all about. Uh, for a men's ministry, it might be St. Joseph. You know, um, I know a place uh, around here, Raphael's Refuge, that um, uh, helps bring healing for um, women who have uh, suffered an abortion. And, and there's a St. Raphael, the archangel, because his name means healer. Healer. We're actually using that name for a divorce support ministry out here as well. So think about your ministry or your outreach and who might be the right patron saint Tell that story to the members. Remind yourselves of that story. It's just going to inspire you to try to be like that saint. 
especially in hard times like right now, when we, we want to go somewhere for inspiration and motivation, the symbols that we have, the myths, the hero stories that we have for ourselves, that is what keeps us connected to our core purpose. And when we are, when we're a little flagged, we're tired, we're having a hard time, we go back to those. And so that the next step, how do you bring those up? rituals you create rituals or you could say ceremonies and again this is something ca like catholics understand yeah, rituals yeah, it's a part of who we are like yeah. i think as much we as anybody yeah no, no, i mean we we get ritual we get and it's it's in our bones it's in our dna as catholics well, we understand how the, the ritual we have every sunday i remember a priest once telling me do you want to know what us catholics believe just listen to the prayers on sunday right i mean we have that ritual every yeah. sunday to remind us of our identity is redeemed sons and daughters of the living God sent out in mission. So if we really live the mass, whew, you don't need more ritual than that to realize your Catholic identity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that rituals don't sometimes get stale. We definitely have the need of renewing and kind of reinvigorating, breathing new life into some of the things we do. And that's why over time, the church uh, addresses the liturgy and says, okay, are we aware of the meaning of these things and how the can mystery. we freshen it up? Absolutely. So, uh, the, I mean, throughout the history of the church, there have been a number of liturgies all according to the needs of the people at the time. So we, you know, before our current form of the liturgy, it was the Tridentine mass, the mass of the council of Trent. And before that, there was other liturgies going back for 2000 years. If you don't have liturgies as part of your team structure right now, we'll, we'll get into some of the details of how you can do that, but begin thinking about how, what kind of rituals you want. And, and again, these aren't onerous. These are life-giving. These are things you love to do. It's This is a way to have fun with your team. It could be as simple as, as when you meet, you always take the first 10 or 15 minutes to A, say a prayer to your patron saint, B, review your core values, and then C, ask each other, how are you? You know, yeah. that's a ritual right there. And if one of your core values is community, really knowing each other, that's a way to reinforce it. So it doesn't need to be big and cumbersome. Now the big bangs, those can be awesome every now and then, but mm -hmm. it's really building a habit of these rituals on a on a day-to-day -day or week by week basis as your team is working together. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's a, a diocesan leader I know of who starts with his whole team. He's over the evangelization secretariat for his diocese. Everyone comes in. And this is and we're talking like over 20 people every single day. They all gather and start with prayer. And it's probably a two minute prayer. But it yeah. says, this is important. This is who we are. And we're not waiting till to, till later to do this. Yeah, absolutely. You think about, you know, monastic communities and they have those call to prayers at different points of the day. Why can't we do that in our ministries and in the church? We should. We should yeah. have those times where we gather to remind ourselves, too, that we got to depend on God and all this. If we think this is all about our intelligence and wit, it ain't going to do very well. But if we constantly remind ourselves we need God and B, it lifts us up out of our little problems, reminds us of that verse you just shared, Dan, you know, of um, that God takes care of even the sparrows, right? So so rituals of prayer, I think, are just so vital to the health of, of a ministry. Yeah, yeah. The uh, a couple of uh, points to wrap up, like what the role that culture plays, and then we'll get into what you can do to incorporate or to begin building your own team culture, especially things like humor, and metaphor and play now you might think like play you don't play at work there are companies who make a point of playing at work so zappos mm -hmm. is intentional they tell their supervisors like goof off 10 to 20 percent of the time 
with your employees. Now, I don't know what that looks like within the culture. And they do things like like different office teams. I'm not kidding. They make little parades around the office. Now, you might think, I would never want to work there. They wouldn't want you to work there. Like they want those type of people who have who have fun like that. So Southwest, mm-hmm. uh, when they interview, they invite potential pilots to come into the interview wearing a Hawaiian shirt and Bermuda shorts. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do it, you don't get the job mm-hmm. <laughs> because they want people like everyone knows Southwest uh, flight attendants are funny. They have a good time and their yeah. pilots are fun people. And that's a part like they want that to be a, a part of being with them. They want that to be a part of the customer experience. And so if yeah. you want that to be a part of the way people experience your ministry, you've got to build that in. You've got to build in some fun, some play, and definitely metaphor for what you're doing. Now, and even, uh, so Venerable Fulton Sheen, he's one of the intercessors for our apostolate or outreach here. We ask for his intercession often. He has a great talk he gave once, you know, because um, his mother would ask him, why are you going to play baseball? You know, he was going up. Why are you going to play? Like, why, why, you can just run to the grocery store for me. But he reflected later in life. She was missing the point. Play is vital to our lives. And he he says that when he's giving a serious talk, you have to every once in a while unpop the the tension with a joke or a little splash of humor and, if, and if humor. And if you listen to Fulton Sheen's talks, it's like sometimes he'll just randomly start with a joke, or he might just throw a joke in the middle because we need to unwind and have fun together as teams too. So. Even if fun is not one of your core values, it's essential to build in a little just quality fun time with your team every now and then to just keep keep things healthy and keep things fun and keep things cordial, not so serious all the time. Yeah. So it, thinking along these lines, what are some of the cultural overhauls that that uh, that we would like to propose to people? Um, and let's start with the theme of this podcast, making disciples. This should be like if if we are if we want people to do this, we have to start ourselves. We can't ask people to do something we're not willing to do, and I think that means outside of work. So, uh, I have, have taken steps intentionally outside of my professional obligations to answer the call to discipleship. I'm not saying I'm doing it well, but I'm trying <laughs> because that's what I think everyone should do. So I've got to mm-hmm. live that way. Some of the if if I were starting from scratch, and I wanted to build in some. Uh, I would say if I wanted to overhaul the culture and make the fullness of the faith a part of just the way we did business, I would do things like would normalize talking to people about their spiritual life and just asking people how they're doing in prayer. Someone that I work with did this for me within the past several months. And it was a, it was a pivotal moment because I had not been praying consistently. I had said like, I'm busy, you know, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. And later never comes. But because I knew he was going to ask me about it again, and like the Lord is happy anytime we pray. So it doesn't matter what gets us there. Yeah, um, yeah. I knew, and, and it was like, he's asking me that for my own good. He's asking me that because he wants me to have a good relationship with God. I started praying more. Since he asked me that, I have had a consistent habit of prayer as a result of that. Um, and then again, like asking people, are you sharing the faith? Are you evangelizing? When's the last time? Like, And if they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of it right now, but I, it's it's a, a struggle. I'm not I'm not having great success. Awesome. That's an opportunity to talk together and to figure out how can you be more successful. Yeah, I can't agree more, Dan, that uh, the first thing is making the first thing first, right? Uh, making disciples. So making sure that everyone sees how your mission uh, ties into that. You never forget that why. Uh, review it periodically, often. Then 
The second thing I would suggest is defining the core values of your team with your team so there's buy-in. So I would say pick three to five key phrases or words that describe the kind of culture you want to have and why. And if you ask people that question, the stuff that comes out, you're going to want, you're going to learn what's really on people's hearts. You know, I was working with a, a leadership team for men's ministry and, um, you know, one of the guys threw a core value out that I didn't think of. Now this guy's older than me. He's lived more life than me. He's raised a family. You know what uh, word he said was sacrifice. Mm. Can't have a good team or ministry without sacrifice. And at first I was like, you know, what is he? But now I get it. And it's funny because over and over I keep reading things. The Lord is really telling me, you no, know, sacrifice is part of uh, being a man and, and also important for other men to embrace the sacrifice because our Lord sacrificed. So I would say have that discussion with your team. Once you decide the core values, then you can start to build the aligned rituals and routines and reminders so that you can reinforce those. That was a lot of art. I didn't plan that. But yeah, you know, reinforce oh, those nice, nice. I like um, that. often so that you don't you don't lose that culture. So once you get those, how can you instantiate those in rituals? So I'm just going to run through some examples. This is not exhaustive. It would say, if you share this with the people you you work with, you will naturally begin to create rituals. If you create space, if you block off time and say something like, you know, we're going to talk about these, or we're going to start, we're going to start a meeting this way. Or we're going to have a, a meeting regularly, weekly, monthly to talk about this to say like, are we living evangelism? Are, are we evangelizing in our daily life? Is that the core mission of what we're doing? So let's say it, holiness is important to you. Pray more, reward and praise virtue. You can do that publicly. If the people appreciate that, you can do it privately. If the people don't, I work with both people. I work with someone who never, ever, 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 ever wants to be acknowledged for something well done. And uh, I respect that. I don't understand it, but I respect it. Mm -hmm. um, and tr try not to encourage and actively cut off vice. The biggest one for workplace, hands down, yeah. the world over, is gossip. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I think that come back to core value of trust and transparency. Um, one one ritual I've seen to reinforce core values that I've seen be successful, but I think you got to reinvent the way that you do it every two or three months or so, is do monthly shout outs where you gather and the team, you can have a board or something with each core value on a piece of paper. Okay. And then during the month at this common location, maybe you do it digitally, you know, over a Google form, you shout out someone for a certain core value and when you saw them display it. Okay. And then at that monthly meeting or weekly or however often you read through them, you read through the shout outs and they can be anonymous or not. Um, one of the things I've done to try to incentivize that is I said, Hey, you know, three people that get shout outs are going to be drawn for a $5 gift card, you know, to uh, dump donuts or whatever. But, um, you know, incentivizing that culture of shouting people out because then over time that can start to become a ritual where you notice those things in each other and you highlight that for each other. So there's different ways you, you can, um, you can kind of incentivize that. Yeah. And, and then it becomes, if it's done correctly, it's, uh, it, it takes on a life of its own and people will praise the good that they see yeah. in, in peers. It'll go, it go it runs up and down and side to side. Um, another one, here's, here's a couple that are really important to me, um, positivity and affirmation. And, um, actually the professor who was teaching the class when I read that book by Bowman and Deal, Reframing Organizations, he was legendary for handwriting notes to all of his employees. My guess is he went through a forest of trees writing notes, but people loved him because he did that. 
Uh, and when you're the, the compliments are the free fuel. So they say burn, like burn the free fuel. It costs almost nothing, maybe a little bit of your time. And it goes so far to acknowledge. And there's really good evidence. I'll, I'll, I'll borrow from, from uh, like learning science, teaching and the, the, the science and psychology of expertise. When people receive, receive timely, clear feedback on what they are doing well, they get better. And when they don't, if you just give like generic, like, oh, good job, bucko, but you don't tell them what they did or it's not timely, it doesn't help. There's no research that indicates that that helps. But if you, if you say, you know what? I loved that you went the extra mile. You called that person when they asked you for help. You didn't just say, oh, call so-and-so. You called so-and-so for them to find out the information they needed and then you got back to them. That's praiseworthy. And it's letting them know, I see you. I love what you do and I hope you do it again. Yeah. And you know what, Dan, uh, I want to throw in one caveat to all this. OK, you once you make a decision about the culture you want you, you want to have, people then will make a decision that they want to get on board and hop on and go with you or not. And over time, you might realize that someone just not getting on board. You're trying to get them to shout, trying to do this or that either. The core values can also be a discernment tool for you and for them if they're the right fit for this team. I think more often than not in ministry, what I've seen is people naturally sign themselves off. They say, eh, I'm, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And, and they leave if they're not the right fit. You might have to make that tough call as a leader at some point. You know, maybe someone's just not fitting in or they're holding the boat back when the boat's getting ready to sail in a certain direction. But anyway, I just throw that out there, Dan, because I don't want people to think, oh, everything's wonderful when you do these things. You might still have to make some tough calls because you got to make sure that once you know the direction everything wants to go, you got to make sure everyone's willing to be on board. But I think most of the time, from what I've seen, people make that decision on their own if they want to be in the boat or not. They do. And, and if someone's really important to you, bring them on board ahead of time when you're doing the planning so yes. that they don't feel alienated by the process. They don't feel like yeah. they wake up one day and they're totally like, I don't, I don't recognize this place. I don't belong here anymore. Um, it, you know, if they still decide like, no, this isn't for me, that's fine. That's great. Yeah. Um, which is just... one reason too I mentioned. I think when you, if you don't have core values yet or defined direction, to try to do that conversation with your team as much as possible so they're not surprised. They feel they, because also if they have, if they're able to give input, they're going to have more buy in in that culture. Absolutely. Well, there is, we could talk about culture for the rest of the night, but we're going to leave those to you. And uh, we are also going to say big thank you to everyone who has continued to, to listen, to watch now, and to join our growing page on Facebook. We are over 200 listeners or 200 likes and, and follows now. So uh, it is never going to get old to us that you give us the time and you give us that little bit of your attention because you could give it to anyone or anything else. And so we're grateful to you. Thank you very much. Um, we, it, we, our hope and prayer is that our efforts help you do the work of the Lord and that uh, if we never meet you in person, I hope we do get to meet you in person, but if we never meet you in person, that in heaven, we give you a high five, we embrace you, and then you introduce us to people who came to know the love of God because of, of the work you were doing. Yep. Amen to that, Dan. Thank you all for our listeners, followers. Uh, please share this with anyone else you think uh, it might be helpful to. You can find us on all the major podcast channels, and uh, soon we'll be bringing this to YouTube as well, now that we've got our video functionality up and improved. Adios.